Hello, hi everybody. Welcome to Football in General. This is Rob Case. And Trevor Koppel. Trevor, man, welcome to, um, well, as you call it, the, the Dark Time? The Dark Times. Is that correct? Yeah. The Dark Times. What do you what do you do during the dark time of the NFL? Well, you know, you uh you learn how to make sourdough bread from from your friend's sourdough starter. And you learn what a sourdough starter is. So basically you just revert back to adaptive coping skills acquired during COVID? Oh yes, big time. So COVID basically, a, man, what I'm teacher there, yeah. What I'm hearing is is that we've always had these coping skills. It's just COVID brought him out. You know, we were always, we were oh, just yeah. destined to be sourdough bakers and, yeah, you know. NFL enthusiasts didn't know that they were already above average prepared for the lockdown. <laughs> the lockdown. Um, make it sound like it's like prison or something. Well, you know, the shoe fits. I mean, <laughs> but but let's be honest, man. If our, if our viewers are like, look, I'm having, I'm Jones in football still. And look, I am. Um I mean, what do you? How do we get through this time, Trevor? We got the U, we got the, the United Football League, right? The UFL comes up and uh, <laughs> at the end of March, um, the Rocks League and whatever whoever else owns that league. What do we do until then? Do you well, want to so watch the UFL? I mean, let's that, be that's what I was about to say. This is about the time of year where every NFL fan who just needs more uh, for the first time in five months considers looking at other football leagues. <laughs> Uh, and, and the way recent years have gone, you know, you look into like, do we have a, do we have a repeat? Do we have a season two this year for spring league? I think maybe we do. Um, well, yeah, there's the UFL. It starts at the end of March. I'm just, I'm used to them always like burning out in flames and like that was fun for almost a whole season. Um, but uh, no, we've got a little consistency in the Spring League football arena this year. Yeah. Um, boy, I wish we had a preview of it, but, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't really know what to say about it. I mean, we, we speculated on the XFL and the USFL last year, um, briefly talked about it. I think you and I watched a few games and were just sort of like, just enough to comment on it briefly. Um right. It, it was okay. You know, it, 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 I mean, it was all right. It was what it was. You know, it was just spring league football with um, basically replacement players. You know? Right, um, right. And it, and it can be fun to watch. But I think the most uh, enjoyable part of the spring league is the, uh, the potential. You know, you, <laughs> oh, look at so-and-so is having a really good year in the UFL where might he land in the NFL? That sort of stuff is what really piques my interest as a, as an NFL fan. Um, I think uh, to really, really enjoy uh, spectating one of these games, I'd, I'd want to go to the game. Uh, I just don't know if I can get as excited to watch it on TV as I do college ball or NFL. Um, but, uh, but that could change. I mean, it's there, right? It's, it's going to be broadcasted on, on television on like ESPN and Fox, and I'm not quite sure where else CBS possibly. I mean, so like, there's going to be a high end presentation of it. It's going to be in 4K. 
you know? Um, <laughs> it just, I don't know how I can get up for a team like the DC Defenders. What is that? You know? Yeah. Um, you know, what? what is really cool about this, though, is Bob Stoops is, Bob Stoops is a head coach of the Arlington Renegades. Um, Skip Holtz is a head coach of the Birmingham Stallions. John D. Filippo, head coach of the Memphis Showboats. So you know, dude, like there's there Wade Phillips, right? There's a lot of name Wade value at least Phillips, in the head coaching nice. environment. But yeah, Stoops. Um, right, Dale Johnson's the executive VP of football operations, and so uh, you know, The Rock owns it. So NBC Sports is going to broadcast some games. It you know like it it'll look nice. Um, it might get good ratings. We tried this with AAF back in the day, the All-American Football League that flamed out. So I don't know I don't know what to make of it. Not that I will really watch it, but it, we'll give it a try. Can we at least give it a try? We can give it a try. We always can okay. give it a try. Right. What's the worst if we try? Right. What's the worst thing that can happen? So um, I, could, I could waste the whole afternoon watching this and be completely disappointed by the, the competition. However... Um, I mean, that happens in most Sundays anyway when I'm watching the NFL. Right. So, um, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, so, okay, so we can come up with the US, the, the UFL, right? That's a, the UFL, the spring league, if you will. Uh, what are some other things that you find yourself doing there during this off season other than watching other sports or the UFL? Football related. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean... I mean, if you're a fan of a team, your your social media is going to be bombarded with uh, uh, trade possibilities, uh, contract extension dilemmas. Um, you know where where you should be targeting what in the draft. All these things are going to be coming at you pretty much nonstop throughout the week, um, and it's such a it's such an obvious illusion. Do you know what I mean? Like how much of this is realistic? Maybe, maybe 5% of these uh, speculations are even worth really considering as possible. Um, but, uh, but it's what we got to do to, to fill the time. Um, so yeah. So we look at uh, free agents and, and uh, cap space and all this stuff. You don't go back and watch YouTube, like old, you know, like Super Bowls or NFL yearbooks or anything like that, or well, replay games on NFL Network. I mean, that's how I start the day all year. You know, oh, I baby. go back and I watch, I watch uh, Randy Moss catch three passes for three touchdowns and 163 yards. I start my day that way. <laughs> you know, some people drink coffee. I like nostalgia personally <laughs> in my cup. So. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, what I found myself doing on Saturday, Sunday, What's that? long weekend, right? President's day weekend. Um, so I was watching, by the way, if you have Apple plus, do you have Apple plus by chance? Um, I do. Okay. Um, the dynasty on Apple plus, um, new New England Patriots documentary, um, uh, by the way, second most streaming show on Apple top 10 out of all streaming services in the country. So kind of a big deal. Right, kind Just of a big deal. <laughs> the dynasty. Um, but I found myself watching the dynasty. I watched both episodes. Really well done. Right, a lot of nostalgia. I came on here and talked about Man in the Arena one time, being basically like Patriots porn. Um, 
It's pretty much what it is. If you're a New England Patriots fan, it's pornography, you know, for lack of a better term. Now, with that being said, I, I don't know how you're going to feel about – well, I mean, I don't know how much context, Trev, you'll add to this. But not that I'm saying you're, like, unknowing or out of the blue. <clears throat> we don't really follow the Patriots media scene, right? It's big. But let's be honest, there's 32 teams. Yours is the Minnesota Vikings. Mine's the Patriots. That's the one I follow, right? And so they, you know, presented um, Bill Belichick in this this show as, like, a villain. Like, they only had him on to say, like, things briefly. And he'd be, like, his typical Bill fashion. You know, like, you know? And he would, they would play this, like, like villain theme music in the background. <laughs> it's crazy. You have to go back. You have to watch it if you haven't seen it. Cause they, they'll show bill and like, there'll be this like eerie, creepy music when he's like talking. It's really weird. Um, no, that sounds it, interesting because I'm, uh, it's I'm weird. a big fan. I'm a big fan of, uh, communications theory, you know, like, uh, the ability of a documentarian to guide your perspective. Um, so, uh, so yeah, this, uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to try and get, give this a look over the weekend. Well, well so let's, let's take that theory here for a second, right? So, like, this happens a lot in sports. You know, we watched The Last Dance. You've seen The Last Dance, right? Oh, loved it. Um, loved it. Jerry Krause was the, the enemy in that film. Come oh, to yeah. find out, who ma- guess who made the film? Guess who made the documentary? Excuse me. Who, who did? Michael Jordan's filming company. Right. <laughs> you know, so not a coincidence that Jerry Krause would be like an enemy or basically the villain in that, you know, and Michael Jordan, obviously, and rightfully so, because he was awesome and it was was shown a lot. This one is made by Robert Kraft and his filming company. Oh, okay. Kraft Productions, right? So um, I think it's interesting the way things kind of ended, regardless if it looked mutual and everything. I said on this podcast that it wasn't. Because if you know Bill, it wasn't. Um, <clears throat> you know, that they would paint him in such a negative light, and the crafts do a lot of things to alter it. So let me ask you this, right? What is your opinion of sports documentaries um, going this route? You know, what, what do well, you think about it? It happens a lot. It happens I literally think, in every documentary. I think it makes sense in the context of, of the times we live in and what it takes to make one of these movies, one of these documentary series or documentaries. Um, and, uh, I can't help, but immediately, uh, you know, kind of jump past it. And I can imagine a world where teams can actually, you know, put out the metrics on like, okay, you know, Steven Gronsky of nowhere, New Hampshire, actually spends more time watching the Patriots, reading about the Patriots, cheering for the Patriots, defending the Patriots than any other Patriots fan. So we're going to let him uh, research, document, and direct the uh, the latest docu-series on the team. You know what I mean? Because like, that's, yeah. that's the only way you'd ever get away from... Or I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, that that person doesn't have their own view of things, but like when it comes to a neutral yet appreciated telling of the story, like you can't have it be 
the coach's production team or the owner's production team or the star player's production team, you're always going to run into that problem. Uh, but if you, if you had to choose, cause I mean, and everybody's going to have their perspective that guides the way they film it. If I could choose who I want to film my Vikings documentary, it'd be the, the God's honest, biggest Vikings fan. That's who I want in charge. But that, that, that I mean, really digresses yeah. from your original question. Um, oh, I, no, I mean, no, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> Yeah. you know, um, well, I mean, I mean, I guess my question is, is I understand like, okay, we want, we want like a good documentary. We want good views. Right. I think that's obvious. But what I, I guess what I was asking you is how you, how do you feel about them being skewed the way they are? Like, does it, as being a sports fan and, and knowing I mean, other sides of the story. I think it's know? great. Uh, that 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 is something you can know um a lot of people probably watch these enjoy them or don't enjoy them but uh don't know and don't think about who produced it um so uh yeah i think in the sports world especially there might be a push to have that a little more front and center you know like hey by the way this is robert Kraft's telling of the story (laughs) Well, uh, th- well, that and, um, you know, I just think that if so, li- like, you know, let me put it like this, right? Bless you. Um, Thank you. Don't, don't do that ever again. Um, <laughs> if, <laughs> if you <laughs> let me like, for example, in the documentary, right, they they talk about the Bledsoe Brady thing, you know, and if right. if you're watching football back then, even if you weren't in New England, you, you knew it was a controversy because oh, yeah. because Brady got hot. And Bledsoe was there forever, and he signed a $100 million contract before the, the season, you know? And so it was like, you, well, he can play. Like, you, you can't just sit him. And that's what they did, you know? And, and Belichick made probably the most important decision of all time in regards to, um, you know, any franchise. I mean, you know, it, it was it got him six Super Bowls. got him to, you know, nine of them because he started Brady instead. Um, and... You know, they made it out in the film like it was a really hard decision. It was this, and Kraft was mulling over it. And, and look, on, I think on the outside, if you weren't in the media, you didn't live in New England, it seemed pretty hard. <laughs> but if you watch Bill, if you watch Drew Bledsoe week to week for like the last two years before he got benched, he sucked. He sucked, dude. He was terrible. You know, and no, and it, I and it I wasn't he, a tough decision. I think I, I don't it think was, it was. I think it was a good decision for Drew Bledsoe because uh, <clears throat> there's no shortage of clips of him in those seasons where he's on the bench. Uh, you know, I, I can't know a guy's mind, and these are always just clips, so you might know this story better than me, but he appears to me that he really did embrace the backup quarterback, sideline quarterback role, and uh, and I think that was a role he was better suited to. You know, uh, yeah. to observe and and give feedback to the man, the man being Tom Brady. Um, so, you know, obviously in hindsight, it's a brilliant decision to stick with the hot player and uh, and see how far it could go because it went as far as any hot player ever did. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, no, I'm gonna have to check this uh, uh, check this one out. What did you say it was called? 
Um, it's called the Dynasty. The Apple Dynasty. Plus. I should be able to remember that. Goodness. Yes. An Apple TV Plus. I don't know why there's a plus, but uh, so it's, it's, it's uh, everything's a plus now. Disney Plus, ESPN Plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just plus plus. Um, so Paramount Plus. Yeah, there's I, a lot of pluses. <laughs> right. It could just be Paramount TV. Like you know, there's no other. There's no, there's no, like, regular version of Paramount. Like, you just pay right, for it. Right, <laughs> Like, that's all you're going to get. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, like, I don't get that. But, um, anyway. Um, yeah, I highly recommend you watch it. But I think it's interesting, you know, when you brought up the communications kind of theory, you know, how the narratives are controlled in sports after the fact. Um, because, let's be honest, man, everybody's got an ego, especially owners um, and head coaches and players. And the way these things kind of get shaped after the fact. And if you watched or were closely part of the following of these teams or players or co- or whatever, then as a fan, like you're like, oh, you know, you, I, I don't, I don't know. Like if I were, if somebody was like, hadn't been, you know, if somebody was outside New England, we're like, wow, did you see the dynasty dude? I can't believe that that decision was that hard. It seemed like it was really hard. And it was like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> They're just li- they're they're completely skewing that part of the film of the documentary, you know, because it may makes Kraft look like it's not on him, you know, it was on Belichick, like, and uh, it makes Kraft look like he was involved in it, and it's like he really wasn't. It's was Belichick's call. He did a right. press conference where he said, it, "It's a I make decisions for the team, T E A M team." That's what he said, you know. So um, it, it's interesting we see like that or like. The Last Dance, um, or that Lakers show that was on HBO, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Um, or even just like any of the 30 for 30s, you know, the four falls over Buffalo, if you've ever seen that, that's told from the perspective of the players and it's like, yeah, but they, they were good teams, but they couldn't win it. So it's a cool feat. You know, and I think the players were trying to make excuses, and it's just like you guys, you guys just couldn't get it done. You know, simple right. as that. <laughs> so anyway, that's just my little rant there. Um, don't know how we got there, but watch the dynasty, um, and maybe that'll fill up some some space. Oh, I was talking about what I did. Oh yeah, so Trevor, I did that, and then um, I went back and watched you know Super Bowl thirty six, Super Bowl forty nine, forty nine which is my favorite game of all time. That's uh, Seattle and New England. So let me ask you this, man. If you had to go out and pick, pick up a game to watch, right, to fill up your uh, football hole, if you will, what, what game would you pick? Uh, off the top of my head, I'm going to go with the 2009 uh, Vikings at Bears. Um, Brett Favre just destroys them. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that one. Broncos, oh Broncos, geez, please. Vikings and Bears. Oh yeah, gotcha. The Brett Favre game. All right, you love you love to hear it. Um, yeah, it was back. It was a long time ago now, but back then it was still worth hating the Bears. They didn't suck as much as they do now. Um, <laughs> and like winning in Chicago as a Vikings fan is always a really great one. And that was just it was just such a dominant game. Brett Favre was on fire. Um, ran it up in the second half. Just a real feel-good game for a Vikings fan. Hell yeah, man! Yeah, you love to you love to go back and visit 
those positive moments, right? And it's like, <laughs> you know who you were when you watched it, too, I'm sure. Right. So, right. okay. Vikings, Bears. I gave you a couple of mine. I go back and watch. Um, well, let me ask you this. Would you go back and watch the most recent Super Bowl? Is that worth rewatching? Oh, buddy. I didn't see this coming, but Talk, I see what you We did talked here. about it a lot last week. But, yeah, oh, what do you man. think? So I I I'd rather discuss it again than rewatch it. Um, it it was a good game. It wasn't bad. Um, uh, it was good. So how do I say this? I uh, I enjoyed being correct about how uh, underrated these two defenses were going into this game, and and. Uh, I not not just that they were underrated, but like I had suspicions. I predicted that both teams' game plan would lead to a pretty defensive, strong first half, and it really was. It was a low-scoring first half, uh, low-scoring for a Super Bowl recently, um, and even with overtime, it came in under the over/under, um, and so that it's it's fun. To be right, you know, um, and it was entertaining football, uh, but it was not exactly the sort of game that I crave to see again. Like I saw it the first time, and uh, it had its moments. It did. Um, uh, Jennings touchdown pass to McCaffrey. That was that one's going to stick with me for a long time. Um, but uh, I can't say that I crave rewatching it. Maybe it's just too soon. Um, yeah, well, yeah, that's a good point. Is it too soon? Um, cause it's still kind of fresh and almost sort of permeates my mind a little too much still, you know? Uh, right. I, don't, I don't know if I go back. I, I recorded it to potentially rewatch it. I feel like it was a really good game. You know, we, when we talked about it, I had better appreciation for it than when I saw it, you know? Right. Right. And I think that's what you're saying is, is that when we processed it as like fans and talked about it, it was like. You know, the game wasn't that bad. But when I saw it, I was like, uh, yeah, it was okay. <laughs> I think it just because Mahomes is, it was just like so obvious what was going to happen. You know, right. it was like watching professional wrestling. Well, you know? and like certain, yeah. certain plays that are exciting, uh, they, it just carries over less to, to rewatching it. Um, you know, Butker had an amazing game, uh, broke the, the, field goal Super Bowl record distance twice that game and was absolutely clutch for him but I don't really get that excited about re-watching perfectly kicked field goals <laughs> you know they're, they're yeah. nail biters in the moment but like I was happy to have been paying close attention for each one of those but I don't uh I don't feel like I need to see him again <laughs> yep yep um, you know, I think the only, well, you know, and I think the only ones I get up for because it's, they were iconic and a uh, Patriots fan once again was Vinatieri in Super Bowl 36, right? Oh, sure. Some of those are absolutely, yeah. cause, it, cause it was a walk off, you know, end yeah. of regulation, win the game. I think it was bad weather. Like those are really exciting. The one he had against, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The one he had then, against, yeah. against Oakland. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, uh, but yeah, this was uh, this was in a dome, and 
you know, not as the clock ran down. They were just really clutch field goals. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'd watch it again. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just more fun to talk about it. I'm right there with you. It's because it was memorable and it's in my head, but I think rewatching it, I would just get upset because I knew what was going to happen watching it. Right. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> it doesn't make it any better <laughs> after the fact. Um, okay, so, yeah, not the most recent Super Bowl. Um, I think that's fair to say. Um, you know, I w- it's interesting. I was on YouTube and it ca- at the Chiefs-Rams game from 2019. Or 2019? 2018 popped up. That, like, Monday night football game. Oh, yeah. They both yeah. scored, like, 50 points intense. or something like that. Uh, they both yeah. had really great game uniforms like- in that game, too, if I remember. They were both wearing, like... Like the Rams were yellow tops, yellow bottoms, and the Chiefs were red tops, red bottoms. That was a really cool game. Yeah, probably brutal for anybody that's colorblind. But would you <laughs> <laughs> would you would you rewatch that one? How about that. Um, game? Yeah, I think I would. I think I would because okay. uh, that's the thing. Like, like I think about that game, I might be able to pull up this or that. But it was the sort of game with so many big plays and so much scoring that there's going to be a few that I forgot. Oh, I forgot that. That was awesome. Uh, you know what I mean? That That's a game yeah. worth revisiting. That's a game worth rewatching. Okay. Well, let's, this is a little Reader's Digest for our listeners out there to make a little playlist, right? <laughs> um, there are about five possibilities. I could fill up all afternoon, maybe a couple of them, you know? Um, let me throw out another one just because it's worth talking about. Um, boy, what – I'm trying to remember what year it was. Um Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And I'm trying to remember what year that was. I want to say it was 2014 on Christmas Eve with a goal line stand. Um, I think so. And I don't know if you know what game I'm talking about here. I'm thinking. Uh, they've had some good matchups, those two. No question. Yeah. Let's look it up. Pittsburgh. Uh, Pitt, Pittsburgh, uh, Christmas Eve, I spelled the Pittsburgh wrong, Christmas Eve, uh, 20, was this the game, 2016, let me see here, oh, it was, okay, yep, 31, 27, 20, December, it was right on Christmas, yep, Christmas Day, 31, 27, 31 combined points in the fourth quarter in that game, and oh, a goal wow. line stand, wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Pittsburgh won the game, ultimately. And then they got an interception on Joe Flacco, naturally. But, um, yeah. Uh, that was the one Antonio Brown caught the pass. It wasn't a goal line stand. Antonio Brown caught the pass and leaned over with the ball, you know. As he got hit, he just, like, reached out with one arm. Right. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, play. Yeah. But that's a good one. That's a good one. So, um, if I think of any more. Throughout the pod here, I'll bring them up. Otherwise, man, we'll just kind of revisit them week to week. So that way, our friends have uh, just a little bit of um, a little bit of taste of what it's like to watch good football. You know, just got huh. some bad football last couple of years. Yeah. Anyway, we have yeah, man. So um, combine next week, big start February twenty seventh, right? Start of the combine. We'll uh, be on after maybe to recap some of it, even though none of us, neither of us, will understand what's going on combine um you get up for the combine man i mean i i 
I have. I'm always much more excited about the draft. Um, the combine. You know, if there's a player that I'm really excited about that I've been tracking through college, uh, I'll want to tune in for that. See how they do. Um, you know, any anybody from my hometown happens more than you think. You know, uh, it's never happened. Um, but uh, no, I, I I think the best part for me of the combine is uh, is the fallout. You know, I, I don't necessarily tune in and watch the whole thing, but I am looking to see who impressed, who flopped. And uh, this year I'm, I'm interested uh, to know if there's a, a betting line for the over-under on number of non-contact torn Achilles. Golly. Yeah, taking it dark. Yeah, dude, that's some like sadistic, you know, um, betting right there, bro. I'm sorry, I'm I'm I'm... I'm tempted to change the topic, but no, 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 no. We're talking about the combine, not, not the, uh, torn Achilles. Savage. Okay. This, this, uh, podcast just got dark. Got <laughs> barista up in this, um, Kenny Rogers chickens, you know, just roasting. <laughs> um, golly. Um, uh, yeah, oh man, I used to love the combine. <laughs> I don't care. I, there, it, it's it's good. Look, I think we've said this before. Anything that like gets us through this time, that's like a taste of football. Like I'll I'll take it. You know, um, I I just think it's so overrated, and it's just a bunch of like mutants just out there running like four fives and four four. I don't. What do I care? You know how many times like those have been proven wrong? Those results have been proven. Oh to, like, no, not that, that, that's that's all. that's part of it. Is you know you know somebody. Somebody can have a mediocre combine and go out there and be, you know, an all-pro safety because they just they have a feel for football, even though they're not the fastest or you know have the sharpest cuts and all this stuff, you know. Um, so yeah, I feel like the combine more so with different position groups. It can either be informative or extremely misleading because um, we've seen it probably probably the best example are quarterbacks we've seen quarterbacks who have amazing combines and they just never uh, grow into a starting quarterback in the NFL so um, yeah it's yep. just an easy group to pick on when it comes to that but like the combine does not tell you that you know this this kid from michigan is going to win six super bowls you know <laughs> no totally totally i agree um yeah uh, tom brady that's who you're absolutely yep. that's what i'm talking about <laughs> the combine yeah. he, he went to the combine yeah. and then he got drafted in the what the fifth round sixth round sixth sixth round yep yeah so third overall so the yeah. the combine does not help you uh it's not a crystal ball when it comes to something like a quarterback uh, and it's going to be the same thing with other positions. Um, I think maybe where the combine helps the most with evaluating potential and talent are uh, are the, the the positions where it really does come down to that physicality and endurance. So I'm talking about down linemen on both sides of the line. Um, so I think the I think the you know. The combine is a real good indicator with 
how well you can push other guys around and how fast you are in spite of pushing 300 pounds, um, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, but even then, it's it's not infallible. Not infallible? Yeah. It's fallible. <laughs> yeah, whatever that means, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it, I, I don't, I, like I think it, I think it's good. It has a time and place. Like, obviously, you need to know like the the physical traits of these guys, just because like, well, I mean that's sort of how you determine potential in a lot of these dudes, you know. And that's that's just, I mean, it, it's just a game of physicality. So like, we we need to know kind of like their physical traits as they're measured quantitatively, you know. Um, I, I don't know how like a five cone drill, you know, like. Um, translates to cutting, making jukes, or certain, you know, I don't know, running certain routes. Uh, I would assume there had to be some some sense of football IQ in there as well. Uh, hopefully you get both, um, among other things. But, it, you know, it's there. You see Rich Eisen run. That's fun, right? <laughs> right, Eisen does I love his little that. Run. Yeah. And it's for charity, so it's good. Um you know, Mel Kiper is there. <laughs> um, the other guy, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Todd McShay, right? Todd, 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 Todd. He just yells at him the whole time. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so you get that nice little back and forth, and then you know, it's it, it kind of just bridges the gap, and you know, for the time being, be, between now and then, we get potential franchise, um, you know, designated franchise players. Um, and surprisingly, unless there are going to be a few at the end here, and usually I think these things are last second, if I'm not surprised, um, there are none. There are no franchise tagged players so far. Um, however, there are some candidates and we know that if they don't get tagged, they'll be a free agent. Um, and if they do, they might get traded regardless. Um, but you know, the most interesting one to me, uh, and he's been tagged before, um, and Kansas City worked out a deal, is Chris Jones. Um, arguably the number one defensive player and overall player in free agency if he doesn't get tagged, which he pro- it doesn't sound like he will, but a tag would get him $35 million a year. I think he's worth it, you know. Surprise to you he has been tagged yet, or you know, do you think they're going to work out something? I mean, it, uh, it's still possible. You know what I mean? It's not too late to franchise tag him. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. But uh, I think there's probably going to be some some off-season evaluation. Um, do you know how old Chris Jones is? I feel like he's been doing it for a long 30, time. 31, 32, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's a position that... Uh, 30. Like, when, when they start to decline, they decline really fast. Um, you know, I, I, I see it all the time with these nose tackles. Um, so yeah, with Chris Jones, uh, it looked really good this year, especially in the playoffs. That's the way it always is with him. Um, but, uh, there might be some, uh, some concerns over the longevity of this guy in the future. And so 35 million is a lot of money. And if they think that they like somebody in the draft, uh, yeah, he he may be uh, he may be headed to another team this year. It's interesting. I you know I, he's so important to that 
Kansas City defense. You know, I mean, I, can you imagine if he wasn't on it? I, I think that would – not that that defense wouldn't still be good, but he causes a lot of problems, you know, for other teams. And you have to double team. I mean, that opens up a lot of gaps for guys like Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Carl Loftus. You know, he gets one-on-one because you can't just put one person on Chris Jones, and he's been a monster in the playoffs. What would it look like if he wasn't on Kansas City? What do you, what do you think would happen to that team? Man, it's tough to say. Um, definitely, uh, they just they'd be a little slower to the quarterback. Um, they'd be a little, little less formative against the run. Um, that's that's what happens when you when you lose a real anchor on that interior D line. Um, but I, I I still don't think it's as insurmountable as losing, you know, your uh, your middle linebacker or your your safety, uh, the guys that really quarterback the defense. Um, I, I'm not trying to throw shade at Chris Jones. He's an amazing player. Uh, they certainly would not be the same defense without him. Um, but it is kind of just a go get him every down position. Uh, sometimes they even line him up on the edge. He's that fast. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they wouldn't be as good without him. Um, you could argue that they wouldn't have won the Super Bowl or maybe even made it to the Super Bowl without Chris Jones this, this postseason. Um, but uh, it's really hard to say what the next man up is going to look like. Um, obviously, he's the next man because he doesn't outperform Chris Jones in practice. Um, but uh, but sometimes uh, sometimes that'll surprise you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would be curious how they're going to approach Chris Jones. I don't know. They can, they can um, franchise tag him, but I, I think because he'd be tagged two years in a row, his, the number would go up like by another half of what the average high salary is for that position. Right. So I I don't look man I, he said he isn't going to go anywhere but if they don't tag him 30 33 million goodness gracious you know that's that's a lot of money um if Jones not tagged the Chiefs could instead use it on start cornerback well, Jerry Sneed's a free agent you know I don't know what this this defense is going to look like next year but I guess we can kind of keep an eye on it moving forward as we like to say here um you know <laughs> another guy just looking at the free agent list um well I mean Coming from the Minnesota Vikings, right? Kirk Cousins, ill-timed torn Achilles, you know, derailed his season. Um, hopefully, I mean, ideally, you know, considering how good he's been, um, even if people consider him um, as a butt of a joke, you know, and being Davis Mills is the long neck Kirk Cousins, Mac Jones is the funny Kirk Cousins, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> I do like those. Those are funny. Um, he's been good. You can't he's say he's great. not been good. He's great. And, and the thing is, as uh, – uh, you know, I haven't followed him his whole career, but as a Viking, he he gets better every year. Um, you know, the year before last was his best complete season. Uh, in spite of the win-loss record, he was playing his best Vikings football when he got injured. Um, just incredible. Uh, but, uh, and, and, you know, I've got a lot of high hopes for Kirk Cousins. Uh, whether he remains a Viking or not, I, I'm I'm locked in as a fan. He's an amazing athlete, amazing person. Um, he is pretty old school. He's he's a pocket passer. He's not a Patrick Mahomes. He's not a Lamar Jackson. 
Um, he's a pocket guy. So that that makes me hopeful for him, whether he's a Vikings or not, that he can get back to that level of football in spite of a repaired Achilles uh, because scrambling for the first down is not a big part of his game. He, he does it on occasion, and we love it. We love it when we see Cuff, tough Kirk. Um, but that's not what makes him a great uh, quarterback. It's uh, finding the open man, getting the ball out quick. He's got a beautiful deep ball. Um, so these are things that uh, uh, he could get back to doing at a high level in spite of this injury. Um, whether or not he does that with Minnesota, I think, I think that largely is up to uh, the Minnesota front office. Um, at this point, it's you know, especially because I'm a fan, I see it all. Um, there's a lot of speculation right now about the uh, Vikings trading up to the uh, Patriots' number three overall pick, and you, you have to think that that is for a franchise quarterback. Um, so whether or not the plan is to to go that route and part ways with Kirk Cousins, thank you very much, um, or address other needs with the high draft picks and say. Kirk Cousins, you're rehabbing like a maniac. We love you. We want you to take another shot at this for us. Um, it's uh, it's it's a really uh, it's a really high drama situation right now for Vikings fans and Kirk Cousins fans. Um, I'm both at this point. I was a Kirk Cousins skeptic when Minnesota got him, um, and I've I've I'm bought in at this point. I'm a Kirk Cousins fan. And if he lands on some other team, I'll be rooting for him unless he's playing my my team. Because, um, man, he's just uh, – it's weird to say this about Kirk Cousins, but I think it's pretty undeniable at this point. We've reached a point where Kirk Cousins is uh, part – he's one of those players that really makes the league great. You know, if Kirk Cousins had a season-ending injury or career-ending injury, uh, that would be such a blow to the league at this point. And I'm not saying he's – He's the top tier or, or that, that other players wouldn't mean more if they left the league. But that's, that's the status I think Kirk Cousins has reached at this point, is if, if he's not playing, the league is worse off for it, which is something I really had to begrudgingly admit several times about Aaron Rodgers. But uh, I think you can say the same of Kirk Cousins at this point. If he doesn't play, it's a detriment to the league as a whole. So... So, yeah, wherever he ends up, I wish him the best of luck. And I, for one, really hope he's playing for Minnesota next year. He's just uh, a great guy, and we love him. Why would they not want him, though? Um, like, what, what, so what, the concern yeah. would be that uh, that it's a major injury for someone at his age and that in spite of how great he has been um, – he has not been the, he, you know, he was supposed to be the guy that got us there, you know, in a couple of seasons when we got him. Now, now he's going into his fifth season, fifth or sixth. Yeah. We've had him for a while now. And, you know, Minnesota felt that they were in a window, uh, especially with, uh, you know, the situation he came into with, Dalvin Cook and Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen 
Um, that was supposed to be, you know, Kirk Cousins is what's going to get us over the hump and we'll have real postseason success. Um, didn't happen that way, and and we've all but completely rebuilt the skill players around him, overhauled the O-line. Now the defense is getting rebuilt. Um, so is Kirk Cousins still the guy that the front office sees as the you know potential Super Bowl winner, or do we need to go get a top three quarterback in this year's draft. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 So, so, so I don't so think anybody would argue that he's not a really good quarterback. He's really good. And there are teams that can you imagine uh, the 49ers with Kirk cousins instead of that revolving door of, of backups and Mr. Irrelevant and all that. And not, not to say that those weren't good quarterbacks. They're all good quarterbacks, but you know, you put Kirk Cousins on a roster like that, and this guy might be the limit. Um, and that's what Minnesota felt that they had when they went and got him to do that. Uh, and it just hasn't hasn't panned out. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I guess I just, you know, it's like anything. I wonder why would any team move on from a guy like Kirk Cousins, who's top 15 quarterback in the league, considering how valuable they are. But right. then you think, okay, it's like when we talked about last year. Like, okay, you know, New Orleans goes after a quarterback and they get <laughs> Derek Carr and Vegas gets Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's like, well, did they get any better? Right. You know? Exactly. Like, okay, so Minnesota has a chance to move on if that's what they want to do. Um, you know, if they bring back Kirk Cousins, they're running the band back. Is that Does that mean they're any better? You know? Right. Like, or – and I guess that's the question. Are you any better with him at quarterback? If not, can you get a rookie that you can build around that's more dynamic? And then maybe at least you're more dynamic and there's more opportunities to do RPOs and do things in your offense you couldn't do with Kirk. Um, or you, maybe you could do some things, but they're just on a different level, you know? Um, I guess that's my question, you know? Right. But Well, and, and that's we'll the thing. The, the, the Minnesota Vikings front office – you know they're trying to win a championship. They're not. They're not making a documentary. It's not good to have the biggest fan in charge. Because um, me as a fan, I want Kirk Cousins back because I like him, and I want Kirk Cousins back because as a lifelong Vikings fan, I just cringe at the thought of drafting a quarterback. We're not good at it. We haven't had any luck drafting quarterbacks in my lifetime. Um, so, but, you know, that's, that's not who the front office is. That's not who the head coach is. Uh, they're professional football guys and they've got a vision for what is going to get us there. And if they think that they've picked out the guy in this year's draft, that's, if they think that they found their Patrick Mahomes, then they're going to go get him. So, uh, so I leave it to the uh, hands of the professionals as a fan I'll just hope for what I hope for. I'll want what I want, but mostly I want to win. So we'll see. We'll see what the front office goes with. Amen to that, brother. Let's win. Um, yeah. So okay. So that's the the four and one Kirk Cousins. And then looking down this free agent list, I mean, um, let's go to a guy. I mean, we can talk about Josh Allen, edge rusher, but um, well, let me just let me open up the conversation about this guy. And I think. I, I, 
This one's been interesting because I think for the last two years, people have been talking about T. Higgins, right? And kind of what he, what the Bengals will do because it's like, okay, we paid Burrow, we paid the offensive line, paid some defensive players. Look, man, if we pay T. Higgins, we can't pay Jamar Chase, potentially. You know? Right. So, and he's a, and he's a bona fide one. Um, I think that's fair. You know, obviously him and Jamar Chase are. So it's like, well, which one do you keep? I mean, do you franchise Higgins to get you through another year with an open window? Um, do you just sign him and hope that you can figure out the cap? You know, um, and I, I, dude, I love T. Higgins. Yeah, I think he's right. a great player. Oh, absolutely. You know? uh, the unfortunate so. reality for T. Higgins, unfortunate if you if you want him to remain a Bengal. Um, I, I think that Jamar Chase is the even if you put them on even ground, they're both equally amazing wide receivers. I give an edge to Jamar Chase for some. I, I don't think it's overlooked. Some people might be overlooking it, but he won a national championship with Joe Burrow. I mean, it, it's just a hard, you know, piece to replace there. And uh, so I think. I think the priority has to be holding on to Chase. Now, if they think they can do both, great. If they think one more season with Higgins will be what they need or even help them with a decision the following year, then maybe they do that. But uh, from my point of view, Jamar Chase is the priority. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> like, you know, uh, how can he not be, I guess is the, the question. Right. You know? Um, he's the better player. Yeah. The rapport with Joe Burrow and, um, he's been more impactful. And if you have to sacrifice one, it's T Higgins and you just go out and draft another guy in the first round or find a guy in third and fourth round. That's what happens with receivers. You know, that's a fairly deep position. Most, most drafts have a very deep position, uh, position class. (laughs) I don't know why I can't pronounce that, but well, especially the way college football has gone. Um, yeah these high-powered college offenses were producing a lot of really good wide receivers. And, yeah, you can find and, – and, and whoever they're drafting, they're drafting to be number two behind a top five wide receiver in the league. So, uh, you know, having that – you know, you can – you know, some of these players, they're looking for an opportunity. Uh, you get them to be the number two wide receiver with defenses worried about Jamar Chase – and they're going to flourish. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, Higgins, I, I again, I, I don't like to, I always feel like I'm throwing shade when I give these uh, harsh analysis, but he's he's replaceable. Um, so I uh, wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on a team that needs him more. Uh, so, uh, but, yeah, free agent, uh that's uh, that's an interesting situation for him because wide receivers are so deep. Um, I'm trying to think now of what what would be an obvious team. Um, shoot, T. Higgins, maybe uh, maybe Kansas City snatches him up. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, they seem to always have work the cap somewhere. They don't have a lot of standout in that position right now. They they do. Uh, Rushy Rice, Rushy Rice, Rushy Rice. Uh, he's had a great rookie season. Um, but I wonder if he's a standout on a team that has a real pecking order at that position because the chiefs don't. 
Um, right. So, so yeah, T. Higgins, I could see him as a chief. I, he could be the chief's number one. <laughs> sure could, yeah. I mean, among other places. Like him in New England, you know. Could use him there. There, there, there you <laughs> go. Think about there it. There you go. Think about it. Think about it. Um, what about a guy – well, look, look at the Tampa Bay conundrum here, and we'll talk about them, and then we'll sign off. But, um, you know, you got three guys, right? Baker Mayfield, Antoine Winfield, and Mike Evans. Um, hypothetically, all could be tagged. And, of course, if you had three, you, you would, right? Um, well, I mean, how do you decipher that? I mean, where's what's the emphasis? The, I, I heard they don't have a lot of cap space. They – Got to prioritize one position, you know. Um, I know you're a Baker Mayfield guy, but you know, would you do you consider that kind of what his year was as a surprise, being that it came out of nowhere and that it's he's going to get forty million in free agency? You know, I mean, what right. what do you do here if you're at the if you're the Buccaneers? I mean, you're going to have to pay Mayfield, no doubt, if you want to keep him. But you got Winfield and Evans, and you need receivers. Right. So. Yeah, it's that's that's such a hard uh, trio to to rank in value. Um, uh, they're all at different points in their careers. You know, uh, Winfield Jr. very young, Baker Mayfield not as young, and Mike Evans, who's just put together an amazing, uh, you know, Hall of Fame career already. Um, so. Uh, it it kills me to say it, because um, I think Evans is one of my favorite players in the league, uh, and I I just like the the type of football player he is. He is such a team player. Uh, he plays very physical. Um, you know, the first first to to stand up for one of his teammates. Um, but this is a it's a young man's league. Um, so being cold and calculating he stands out to me as the one you can let go. Um, I can't believe I just said that, but it, it's, it's just the <laughs> way, uh, it's the way a lot of these front offices are going to look at that situation is uh, the future potential of these players. And Tampa Bay, they had a good year. They had a much better year than anyone expected. Uh, won the division, easiest division to win in the league, but still won the division and then beat the defending conference champions in the wild card round. Um, now, granted, the, the Eagles were playing pretty bad at that point. They couldn't tackle to save their lives. Um, but uh, but still, so Tampa Bay had a great year, but it doesn't feel like Tampa Bay is in a window, does it? Um, no. So so, <laughs> that, so to me, if, no. if you're not in a window, then you're really looking at the potential for the future and that's where, of those three, Mike Evans has the least uh, to, to contribute. Um, when it comes to Baker Mayfield, uh, you're right. He's going to get paid, and he's going to play somewhere. Um, whether or not the Buccaneers think that they want to stick with him, I can't begin to speculate. What I can say is that if I'm Baker Mayfield and I'm Baker Mayfield's agent, I want him to be a Buccaneer next year because something is clicking. It's working. Um, it is a, it's a soft division. Um, so I think it's in Baker Mayfield's best interest to stay a Buccaneer. And, uh, 
Anton Winfield Jr., man, uh, there's, I, I don't know if there are very many teams that wouldn't love to add him to the roster. I mean, he's probably, of those three free agents, uh, you know, re- regardless of what you pay a certain position, um, I see the most value in him. Uh, what he can do for a team, uh, the 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 potential he has to play at that high level for another eight years um, if he stays healthy. So, um, yeah, Anton Winfield is the one that I don't want to see leave if I'm Tampa Bay. Yeah, I would think that would be like your quarterback um, on the defense, but also just like a leader in the locker room. He's a he's a captain. You know, he's not he was on the Super Bowl team, dude. And which is crazy to me to think about, but he's only twenty five. That's what I mean. He's yeah. young, twenty five years if, old. If you're a Vikings fan like me, you know that his father, Antoine Winfield Senior, he 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 played a long time. I mean, he was still, and this was back when they could really hit people. He was laying people out and getting free safety sacks uh, when he was in his early 30s. Um, so uh, the, the, you know, the, the genetics is there for him to have a long, successful, physical uh, career where uh, you know, he might be 32 years old, but he's going to lay the hammer on some 24 wide receiver. It doesn't matter. So... Uh, yeah, Anton Winfield Jr., he's the one that I don't want to let out the door. Yeah, no question. Um, no. Yeah, good secondary, I, I really reliable secondary. Is, it's one of those things that doesn't get talked about enough, kind of like how how difficult it is to put together a really complete O-line. It's like mm-hmm. When you have somebody that really anchor and a safety, that's what can do it for a secondary is somebody that's all over the field and you can dial up a blitz and they even helped stop the run game. I mean, his father, I watched him play for Minnesota. He would get tackles for a loss in the run defense. And it's like, that's just, that's instinct. That's pure physical ability. Uh, I'm, I, I think Anton Winfield Jr., of those three, is the one that they have to hold on to. Yeah, yeah, 92 PFF rating, um, a 93 run defense grade for a safety. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So you hit the nail on the head. Like, they'll help in the run, the run game. They might come down and blitz. Like, well, um, you know, you can play in the box. You can take on some tight ends, receivers. He's pretty much jack-of-all-trades, man. I mean, three interceptions on the year. Only allowed 26 receptions. Pretty good for a guy who's taken on tight ends at 5'10", you know, and among other oh, yeah. positions. Oh, yeah. Um, don't, ha- don't have his sack numbers in front of me. I think he had a few of those, too, right? Let me see. I think so. Yeah, six. Well, he only had more than a few. He had six sacks this year. There you go. You know, so very versatile player. I, I would think, you know, looking at the top ten here, and obviously you want Chris Jones if you can get him. And Josh Allen's great. T. Higgins. We already mentioned Kirk Cousins. He might be the most underrated player in this top ten. You know, because you see his name, you're like, oh yeah, he's a good player. He's a really good player. We, but I don't think I, either of us. I underestimated him. I, I had no idea he was that productive. Um, and how great he's been in the, against the run and in the box. And uh, I usually, you know me, I don't like Jamal Adams. I don't like these in-the-box safeties. But Antoine Winfield's a whole other level. So no, and, Well, and also, I mean, you look at that team, and, you know, if you think that uh, 
the Buccaneers are close to a window, you're trying to improve that defense. You know, that defense has some holes in it. Uh, but Anton Winfield Jr., he's one of the people carrying that defense. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not letting him go. No question. Yeah, pay him. Well, I'll tell you what, man, we're, we don't get paid for this. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we might be free agents eventually. Hopefully they don't split us up. You know, we'll maybe get franchise tagged by whoever. But, uh, yeah, man, another fun show. Hopefully we can keep up the week-to-week uh, content we can – preview some of the, the combine stuff and talk about some of the prospects standing out next week. Um, even if it's short, maybe we get some more things to talk about in terms of the NFL free agency and any other trades. You got anything left to talk about, Trevor, say to the folks at home? Uh, you know, just that, uh, yeah, my enthusiasm for the game has not waned. We are in the dark times. But if you follow Rob and myself, we will get you to the combine we will get you to the draft we'll get you to spring training and before you know it football will be back uh hell yeah brother yep <laughs> yes the dark times are only dark without a lantern my friend and, uh, <laughs> or or a lightsaber and and luckily for you that you're both of both of things that you could hold in your hands that provide light do talk and uh come out of a approximately two inch speaker on your phone so, right. no, nonetheless, we'll be back next week, man. We'll talk more football. Until then, we're out.